0: the possibilities of introducing this little boy to the Christmas lights, the Christmas stores, what fun it would be. But he fussed the whole time, cried, was impatient. She scolded him, I think more because she was being disappointed than perhaps he was, and all that she had planned was going awry. She noticed that his shoe was untied, so she bent down and As she was tying his shoe, she looked from his vantage point at the mall and saw what he saw, a bunch of big giants walking everywhere, loud noises. The world indeed seemed terrifying. And so she thought, well, I need to be a little more compassionate. Maybe the only way we can save this morning is to take him for a visit to Santa. So she took him to that central place in the mall where Santa was sitting. She got in line, took him up there to sit on Santa's lap to get a picture, and he was fussing now more than ever before. And finally, in trying to get him under control, Santa said to him, Little boy, what do you want for Christmas? And he said, I want to get down. <laughs> That story reveals to us that sometimes uh, Christmas means so little to us because we understand so little about it. It's hard to get excited about a season and an event unless you understand its real purpose and its real meaning. People get excited about many of the uh, side things of Christmas, the ancillary things many good things and enjoyable traditions but we often miss the heart of it and that's why it's hard to get excited but for every believer Even though we're not convinced that December 25th was the day that the Savior was born. In fact, it's very probable it couldn't have been the day. But it's a wonderful time for us to focus. And the world seems to pause. Not just in America, but all over the world. Even unbelievers recognize the season. And there is some celebration of it. So we ought to take advantage of this time. And we need to know... Why we're celebrating the first Advent. So what is Christmas all about? Let me encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. The very first book of the New Testament. The very first chapter. And I want to begin reading with verse 18. The same portion of scripture that Catherine read just a few moments ago. But let me just highlight a couple of verses. Verse 18 says, this is how the birth of Christ came about. This is its origin. This is how it actually took place. His mother, the mother of Jesus, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now stop for a moment and go to the end of the chapter. Verse 24, Joseph woke up. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. Did you notice in verse 18, they were pledged to be married, and in verse 24, they were actually married, but there's a whole lot of drama between those two verses. And that's one of the great exciting things about Christmas Christmas is an adventure, the advent itself is an amazing adventure. Filled with drama of every kind. You've got the pathos of a man and a woman falling in love. Or at least we assume they did. It wasn't just a harsh arranged marriage. You've got the, the, the wonder of God and angels entering in. You've got mur- murder and intrigue with international visitors. And you've got all kinds of things in this story called Christmas. Hollywood couldn't invent something more attractive, and yet it's true. And when we come to the heart of this adventure, we're going to see that it's not just a baby being born, but it's a Savior arriving in the nick of time, in the fullness of time. So let's look at this portion of scripture back to verse 18. It tells us that uh, Mary was pledged or engaged to be married to Joseph. There were many engaged marriages in that day or prearranged engagements, I should say, in that day by the parents where the kids had little to say. But that was not the norm And it would have been difficult for a poor man like Joseph to secure a wife because he didn't have much to offer. Think of the movie The Fiddler on the Roof. And how difficult it was for a tailor to find a wife, the wife that he wanted. But even in that context, there was the allowance of these young people to come together and truly base their relationship on love. And my guess is that Joseph loved Mary deeply that he somehow sought her out, requested her as his wife, and thus with the encouragement and approval of the family, they were engaged. And all of the love that goes into that, all of the promised devotion would have been there. He had his eye on Mary for a while, and now he had secured her as his wife-to-be. And although the period of engagement might be rather extended, up to a year's time, that did not in any way diminish their commitment and love for one another. You've got to see that in the passage. That's the way it begins. But then you'll notice quickly that something took place. Mary became pregnant. And the pregnancy, she was found to be with child through the work of the Holy Spirit. That is, in the interworking of Mary's body, there was this unique deposit of a divine nature. And somehow connecting with all of the seed of a human nature. And here is the mystery and the miracle woven in between. No aid of man. And God has produced conception. There isn't this horrible context as it was often found among the pagan gods of a a god having a physical relationship with a human being. None of that. But the miracle is that Mary was pregnant and this child was through the Holy Spirit. Now notice verse 19. This is significant. Because Joseph, her husband... Was uh, Well, excuse me, going back to verse 18, it tells us that before they came together, she was found to be with child. Do you see that word, found? Very interesting Greek word. It is a word, heurisko, that means discovery. Listen to the words of a well-known Greek scholar, A.T. Robertson, who said that this word is a common Greek idiom that plainly declares that it was the discovery that shocked Joseph and Mary didn't tell him. Now, I don't know that you can prove that beyond a shadow of a doubt, but this one particular word unfolds what probably happened and that is Joseph discovered Mary was pregnant before Mary ever told him. Now that's rather plausible when you study the biblical account. If you want to for a moment, go back to Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, Mary receives the announcement from the angel Gabriel that she, although a virgin, will be with child. The child will be a son. He will be the son of the most high God, Luke chapter 1, verse 32. He will sit on the throne of his father, David. In other words, he is going to fill all the messianic promises found in Isaiah, found throughout the Old Testament. This son of yours will be Messiah, Mary. And she is more concerned about the process, seeing that she is a virgin, and yet The angel makes it abundantly clear. No, she is going to have a child. And then the scripture tells us, verse 39... This is right after Mary has surrendered, verse 38. I'm the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you've said, and the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. She hurried to get ready and leave. Now, this is an 80-mile trip. It's gonna take four or five days, and she's rushing out of town. My best guess is not telling her parents and not telling Joseph. And she's gone for three months. You can read the rest of the story. You know the story where she goes to her cousin Elizabeth. And there is camaraderie there because Elizabeth is pregnant with what will be John the Baptist. The son John the Baptist. And they commiserate over their unusual miracles. An older woman having a, having a child and a virgin having a child. And they're able to encourage one another And then finally, Mary decides it's time to go home. According to verse 56 of Luke chapter 1, she had been there three months. She probably got on the caravan that went from one place to another, that 80-mile journey back north to the little village of Nazareth. And I guess Joseph had gotten word that Mary was finally coming home. The communications being rather sparse for those last three months. And with excitement, Joseph was there to greet her when she got off the caravan, off the cart. And maybe her her family was there as well. And I can just see Mary getting off. And when he gets a good view of her, he sees that she's pregnant. And in one moment, all the hopes and dreams of that young man would have been crushed. Think of the torment that he had to endure. Pain by betrayal is what he thought. Crushed with grief, wounded in the depths of his soul, a love betrayed. I'm sure there were times of intermittent anger and tears. How could it be? Mary, Mary was the paragon of virtue. In my wildest dreams, I never would have thought that she could be unfaithful. It's a human story. Don't miss the adventure of it all. Things sometimes get bad before they get better, and sometimes they get really bad, and you can't imagine. Unless you've been there in a similar situation of the heartbreak he experienced. So he made a decision. Verse 19. Being pulled in two directions. The law and love. Because he was a righteous man, sensitive to the law, a man who followed the law, he wanted to handle things legally and properly. Now, apparently, the Old Testament law of simply stoning someone for immorality had loosened somewhat, and there were other things that could be done like a divorce. But the divorce had to be public, or it was supposed to be public. It had to be at least written in the legal records, which means you had to bring some rabbis together, like lawyers, and you had to go to the temple, and official documents would have to be filled out and signed, at least between the parents if not the young couple. And Joseph did all that. But he made a decision of love. Because he was a righteous man, yet he still did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. I opt for the private ceremony. Now think, he could have done everything he wanted to do to expose her publicly and justify himself. Let it be known and declared this was not his child. And he had not entered in to this immoral act prior to their marriage being officially declared. But he took a risk and quietly, because of love, with the best knowledge he had, he decided to put her away private ceremony the least number of people being involved verse 20 says and after he considered this think of how long was he considering this we don't know but it must have been days of sleepless nights i can imagine him throwing things against the wall shouting <laughs> anger and finally he falls asleep exhausted don't get this holier than thou vision of joseph he's a normal guy who's been betrayed so he thinks and he falls asleep right now in his torment he falls asleep and the second thing we see is not only the torment he endured but now the message he receives And while sleeping, the scripture tells us that an angel spoke to him. We don't know for sure which angel it was. Most likely it was Gabriel. He's been involved already with Zacharias and Mary. Maybe he's just continuing on. But an angel speaks to Joseph and says in verse 20, Joseph, son of David. By the way, we're in the right line, aren't we? Jesus is the son of David, he's of the royal line, he's of the house of Judah, and although Joseph is not his biological father, he will be his foster father, his legal father, he's in the right line. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Why was he afraid? Because he was a righteous man and did not want to break the law or in any way approve of what he thought had been an immoral situation he was afraid perhaps of ongoing bad reputation don't be afraid don't be hesitant to take mary as your wife because what is conceived in her is of the holy spirit and she will give birth to a son by the way you didn't know that until the child was born back in that day You didn't have all the technology we have today to plan well ahead. But the Lord knew she will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. A Savior. That's why he came. In Luke 19 and verse 10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. After the angel had spoken to Mary and she broke out in song, she was praising God, her Savior, for using her to bring Messiah into the world. It was clearly understood that Messiah and Savior were synonymous terms. His name will be called Jesus. That's the Old Testament. The Old Testament equivalent is Joshua. The Lord saves. His name shall be called Jesus. Why? This is his mission. Here's a unique person, born of woman, not born of man, conceived of the Holy Spirit, God coming down in flesh, a unique person with a specific mission. He's come to save his people. I suppose in the narrowest of contexts, one might think that refers just to the Jews. But the people of God, it's broader than just Jew. It's Jew and Gentile. It's every person who leaves their sin and puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. What child is this who's laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? This, this is Christ the Lord, we sing. I love that hymn. We don't often sing it. Who is he in yonder stall at whose feet the shepherds fall? Tis the Lord, the King of glory. That baby is the Lord, oh wondrous story. And so we get into this wondrous story, and our hearts are thrilled at the mercy of God. How he condescends to our level to get into our life to redeem us from our sins. His name shall be called Jesus. And I love that simple passage in Luke chapter 2 where Jesus, eight days after he was born, was taken into the temple so as. Parents travel from Bethlehem, the two or three miles up, into the temple. And uh, the young male child is circumcised and named. And it says they gave him the name Jesus. Just like it says at the end of this chapter. And they gave him the name Jesus. What does it mean? He shall save. So I ask you this question. Have you received the main purpose of first advent? Are you a recipient of the salvation that only Jesus can provide and that he offers to all people? Are you a believer in Jesus? And does he reside in your heart? That's the big question. And notice all of this was done to fulfill an ancient prophecy. So you have a unique person on a saving mission who has come to fulfill an ancient prophecy. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. That's Christmas. Maybe the best way to summarize Christmas is God with us. It's not just God with us in human flesh, although it is that. It's God with us on our side. He's taken our flesh to defend us, to save us. It's God with us to deliver and redeem us. God with us. Talk about a unique child. His name shall be called Jesus. His name shall be called God with us. There is so much there of encouragement. And if Mary's message, if the discovery of Mary's pregnancy was bad news, the message of the angel was good news. And that's the way the gospel goes. It starts out with bad news for all have sinned and comes short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But it ends with good news. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, God in the flesh, and the ancient prophecy is fulfilled. So if we're just looking at Joseph, he begins with torment when he first sees Mary pregnant. And whatever she said to him, he didn't believe because he made up his mind to divorce her in a quiet ceremony. But now he has a second decision to make And now he has more knowledge. It's not just human observation. It's not just implication and reason and logic. Whatever Mary told me can't be true because the logic of it all is that women don't get pregnant without being with a man. But now he has revelation from God. Get this, my friend. The revelation from God trumps the logic of man. And you say, well, it doesn't make any sense that God could speak and world comes, a world would come into being. No, unless you're dealing with God. It's no big thing for him. Yes, but how can I just confess my sin, just say I'm sorry, genuinely feeling it in my heart, and God will take it away? How can he save me with a simple prayer like that? With men it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Christmas proves it. The miracle working God, nothing is too hard for him. That's the message the angel gave to Mary, and she embraced it with all her heart. So the torment he endured, the message he received, let's end with this positive note, the faith he displayed. I love this. Verse 24, Joseph woke up. He did just what the angel had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. What a grand reunion that must have been. Joseph with tears running over to Mary's house, embracing her and saying, I'm so sorry. Everything you said was true. An angel spoke to me. I believe. Now let's be married. And such a decision was costly. For now, Joseph is married to a woman who has a bad reputation and he'll get blamed for it. And he'll live with that reputation the rest of his life. But he embraced her. His name shall be called Jesus. I had an individual who wrote a story about going to Cracker Barrel one time and as he was going through the checkout line, he noticed a book on the book spindle entitled, What's in a Name or What Does Your Name Mean? Have you ever seen that at Cracker Barrel? And so this guy, it was a rather long line, he decided he'd take the book down and find out what his name meant. His name was Mark and it meant Wonderful Warrior, Victor in Challenge. He said after stroking his ego for a moment, he looked through the book and found out that every name was just as valiant. There was no name that meant wimpy warrior, you know, or (laughs) amazing dork, uh, you know. Every name had one of these powerful definitions to it. American marketing, he said, would never allow for a name to go out with a bad meaning. And then he thought about it for a moment. You know, in Western culture, names don't mean much. But in the time of Jesus, they did. And just read through your Bible and people are given names maybe because of the circumstance of their birth. Or maybe in anticipation of their calling. The names hold this symbolic potential expectation of what is to come. But that's just on a human level. How much more so when the name comes from God himself? The name has divine origin. God says his name will be Jesus, and that means he will save. Did you notice that? He will attempt to save his people? No, he will save. Isaiah 53, he will see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. In one sense, I'm sure God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, but He knows that not all will repent, but He will save, and He will save His people from their sins. A couple of years ago, I came across this interesting tidbit about debit cards or gift cards that are given for Christmas. Did you know that over 70% of people give gift cards? as Christmas gifts. It's about half and half between a gift card at a department store or a restaurant, but people give out these gift cards 70%. What is surprising is that much of the gift card goes unused. According to the Journal, State of, the journal of the State of Taxation, the average is $300 per family of gift cards that are in the house but unused. We lose them. We use them partially. Don't use them to their full. Maybe accidentally thrown out. They estimated that uh, in a period of about six years, there was $41 billion in gift cards that went unused. But the thing that gets me is this. God has given us the gift of his son, and how often does that gift go unused? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is Jesus, who will save his people from their sins. The gift is given to you. Don't neglect to trust him and find out the true meaning of Christmas and the joy that real Christmas brings let's pray Heavenly Father as we start this first Sunday in the Advent season that is the time when Christ first came to this world as a baby born in Bethlehem we do not want to be ignorant of the purpose the ultimate purpose that he came to seek and to save Lord, may the name Jesus be precious to each one of us, not just because he is the Savior, but because he is our Savior. And if there's someone here who has never trusted Christ, may they do so this very day. In Jesus' name, amen.